hammer does work for that. Welcome to episode number 207 of Grumpy Old Benz for Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we may have white noise, but we don't have a lot of white heat. And from America's left coast, where it's a new year, which means new updates and new bugs and security holes. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, as we've already figured out, I hate Brave. Brave is my new thing to hate. In 2023, just had about a half hour of connection issues because of Brave and Clean Feed and Brave and WordPress has been giving me problems since the new year popped. Maybe this happened before. I didn't notice it, but like since the new year with WordPress, if I go in and try to edit things like I have to manually edit the RSS feeds to put our live tag on, it doesn't what? work. How does that even Okay. I don't know. It's giving an error. And I went through it. I'm like, well, okay, let me just click the little button here that says reinstall the latest WordPress. Cause every now and then something just kind of goes a little kitty wumpus. And well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to live debug this thing, but I'm just going to suggest when in doubt bypass WordPress and just FTP that shit. Yes. Which you or, can or, or SCP as the case may be because FTP is insecure, but it's all the browser. It is all the browser. Cause once, you know, you waste enough time with any of this stuff browsers right now. Uh-huh. Once you go through enough of this and then I went, well, let me try. Let me try Chrome. And it's like, oh, it just works. I'm like, what? So, yeah. Okay. So. Every show, you, you know, we've done a few of these shows, uh, more than 200, if I recall correctly. And for the most part, every show, it is uh, right at showtime. You send me or just a couple minutes before you send me a link to cleanfeed.com or .net or whoever, they clean fuck them. Um, <laughs> you you send me the link. I drop it into my Chromium browser, which is uh, Elliston's ungoogled Chromium. It's it's They take the Chromium source code. They strip out every possible link to google.com in the source code, make it so the shit doesn't phone home. And otherwise, it's Chrome. Right. And I launch that. I plug the link in. Everything works. This time around, didn't connect just popped up connecting and sat there forever. Like what is going on? Okay. Well, I have another browser on my system that I like to use and, and this, you, you absolutely love the effect here. So I went ahead and launched my brave browser. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't work out real well. It connected with white noise. The old sound you remember hearing from TVs when there was nothing on the channel. And you're sitting here going, Hey, you know, are you sure your microphone is working correctly? Did you try rebooting the MIMO to like, I went ahead and tried it. I unplugged the Mo two. the entire microphone chain was not there. I did not have a physical microphone on here. I had a virtual microphone, which was just an endpoint created by voice meter, which wasn't running. So I guarantee it's a null endpoint with no endpoint, no, nothing going through. I connect to braze. I tell it, yeah, use voice meter as my endpoint static. I, 
Now, the beautiful <laughs> thing was, even when you muted yourself, the static was coming through, which I which, don't which get. That, by the way, tells me that this is CleanFeed's problem. The other thing that tells me that CleanFeed fucked something up is that the system that, like, I am very, very careful to keep this system because I'm running Windows 8, which, you know, this month is going out of service. I'm running, uh, you know, the, the browser, I don't update unless I have to. I, everything was exactly the same as it was two weeks ago and the last 10 weeks that everything has just worked, not even a reboot, which you can say, oh, that's a problem. But here's the thing. Software does not actually rot. Programmers like to tell you that software does not decay. The ones and zeros stick around. Something changed on CleanFeed's end and they decided in the new year to push out a software patch that broke something. So what do I do? Brave isn't doing the thing. Chromium isn't connecting at all. I go, I even went out to the Chromium site and I downloaded a new version of the browser. I know I updated something for this show that should show the depth of my, of my dedication to this. I got, <laughs> I checked. I just up or I just updated to Chromium 108. The previous one was Chromium 92 from last January. So it's been a while. Yeah. Which had been working fine. And this was the only thing I used it for. And unless CleanFeed is trying to un- install malware, I wasn't really in a huge position where I should have been dying from. But, you know, maybe CleanFeed issued an update patch. And of course, every time some jackhole front end developer who only knows how to plug in JavaScript frameworks and has never actually learned a programming language in their m- lives. And yet these are the people somehow that control the web. Every time they decide to push out an update, they're like, oh, I'll just test it on whatever browser is on my machine and everybody else may God have mercy on your soul. Well, they so, fix a lot of problems by jettisoning the old stuff. Like, you oh, know we're what no else longer going to work. And then, you know what else might work well is not introducing the new problems by pushing out updates nobody wants. But, but anyway. a lot of it is just the crap that is, well, we're not going to have the Windows 7 compatibility anymore. So you can't, there was just something with Chrome on that, that you'll no longer have yeah. whatever. Oh, I did. A Chromium 109. Anyway, same problem. Yeah, it's, it's pulling Only stuff out. Only difference I could tell, in fact, because it found my settings file. Only but, difference I could tell with the updated Chromium is now, every time I launch the browser, I get an obnoxious fucking banner at the top of the browser that says, you won't get automatic updates because you're not on Windows 10. I'm like, thank <laughs> you for that, but could you possibly not be spamming me with it? Uh, NetNed wants to know if you'll go to Windows 11 and do a show about that. That would take no, more than a couple hours. I'm not going to Windows 11. You should try it. It would be fun. When, when I finally tear the Band-Aid off and bend over and get rid of this Windows 8, which will probably be soon, I'm going to a Linux variant, and I haven't determined what. Oh, My default oh, oh, oh. is probably Ubuntu. But I was going to say, you want to talk about a few shows worth of material there. Oh, Every- yeah, that's that's where the complaining will be. It just won't be Windows 11. Right. Everybody's going to have an idea of, well, no, no. Why would you go with that distribution? You should go with this one. This is the so- best one. In order to get this thing working, again, exercising my dedication for the show, I'm not going to go to a modern version of Windows, and I'm not installing Chrome because I actually don't want to be owned. But I went to mozzarella.net, I mean Mozilla. I I would prefer mozzarella. I would Mozzarella would be tastier. I went ahead and told it, okay, give me the latest version of Firefox. Of course, 
They don't distribute Firefox Portable. No, we can't possibly do that. There's no possible way they could allow a zip file that has the, the software that I could put on, say, a drive that isn't full. No, it just has an installer, but I'm in a damn hurry. The whole show is crashing. You're currently replacing me with hosts from other podcasts. Do you see how quickly they came out? Yeah, they like they've been waiting. They've been waiting. Every grumpy old Ben's they're sitting here like waiting to pounce. It's like, does is this the day that Bemrose has some kind of technical issue? Great, I can jump on and become the new grumpy old Ben's. Right. Like, we already tried that. You got two new shows out of the deal. How many new shows do you need? They're like, we know it's gonna happen. He's on Windows 8. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen soon. But you know, so, everybody likes Boo. You know, we gotta I give him credit the and, and the no agenda millennial. Yes, yes. I, and thank you, by the way, to Booberry and Noah Jenna Millennial, because it takes two people to fill my shoes. Well, one in each. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, which one? I'm not going to tell you which one had the cat vomit in it. Ew. So I run the Firefox installer. And of course, all these browser installers, they want to make it as easy as possible. In fact, the way the installer is supposed to work is you double click on the installer. It gives you a. Uh, uh, please give this program admin permissions to do anything it wants ever. And of course you click yes to that because you want the browser and then it turns for a while and then pops up the browser window. But that's not, of course, what happened. What happened was it churned for a while. It barfed out horribly because my C drive is a 120 gigabyte SSD, which <laughs> is always very full because every damn program in the world doesn't fucking ask you where to install. It just takes a shit in the C drive. Right. You want it on the C drive for your convenience. <sighs> so then the installer brainiacs that wrote this as it is, it couldn't copy all the files. Then it tried to launch anyway. And popped up a huge error, cannot find a Firefox engine core or something like that. Crap. Okay. Delete everything. Uninstall. Fine. Create a new junction point that redirects the folder that it's going to automatically shit into because it doesn't bother asking me from the C drive that redirects that to the drive with space on it. Run it again. Finally. Firefox launches. Of course, I have to close that window because, frankly, it was launched by a program that had admin permissions. And I'd rather not give browsers admin permissions, but whatever. We relaunch that. We get it going. I have no ad block. I have no configuration settings. I don't know what the hell this browser is doing to my system. I know that it's popping up crap all over the place, trying to helpfully get me to port settings from other browsers and helpfully trying to get it. it this is. A browser that I have not fixed is the most annoying thing in the world. That is what I'm doing today. So, hi. Good morning. How are you doing? And Firefox only works as a guest for a clean feed. So, I don't know what the difference is there. But <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather not be using Firefox. But, I mean, it was that or or you have to uh, run the noise gate on, on high to keep the white noise out. <laughs> or it would have been going back to the dreaded Skype, which still seems to like update every week. And I have no idea what you can keep adding to a, I might still have Skype on this thing, but I guarantee you it's from 2019. Be a little bit older of a version. Don't worry. The people that were listening live, including our buddy cold acid of the rare encounter podcast said that the tech problems might be more enjoyable than grumpy old Ben. So I don't know if that was a compliment or it's well, like it might the tech problems certainly got me in the mood. 
That's just a true. show. I'll tell you that. Getting you in the mood for grumpy old Ben's right here. But otherwise, how was your holiday? My holiday was great. Hey, we didn't even have to do a show last week, just like every other podcast in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's true. But I actually came prepared to do a podcast last week. I was, but it did going to be too. Yeah, I mean, dealing with AFib is not fun. I yeah. Mean, so, I, what exactly? It, I I heard you mention what that is, sort of on uh, Planet Rage. But yeah, what atrial fibrillation is basically when your heart goes out of the normal sinus rhythm and just starts going all sorts of wacky. Okay. Which so it's more concerning than anything. You know, it's just more of a, um, you know, if if you have any kind of anxiety at all, that is the worst part about it is because you just kind of like feel like you're going to die at any moment, even though that's not really the case, but it can make you just very tired. It's, you know, obviously affects circulation and it is, you're way more likely if you're in AFib, you're way more likely to have a stroke or heart attack. So, I mean, those are fun things. Yeah, that, uh, no, no, I don't think so. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point. You know, usually your heart can race to, I mean, some people, you know, can go 150 plus beats per minute. So everything, all that needs to be controlled because you really don't want your heart racing at that kind of a rate either. Okay. So I have to ask you, because I we're in the no agenda community and I know everybody here is wondering this and Larry was too nice, not or too nice to ask this question, but I have to ask, did somebody give you a Pfizer booster in your sleep last week? No, no. And I've Are had this. Sure? Yes. And, and I've had spells of this before COVID. And um, as a kid, I had an arrhythmia, which I had between the time of like okay, seven you years know the old question had to be asked. Yeah. And I know people will rush to that. It's like, but no, I've, I've had this long before the, uh, the dread shot and I didn't have the dread shot. I had the J and J one, which is at least less, I think of a dread shot than, uh, than the MRNA ones. But no, this is something that I've dealt with before and it comes and goes and I would just prefer it goes more than when it happens, but it can be set off, you know, by stress. I read stories because I, you know, I've had the issues with the root canal. By clean feed, it oh, could no, be right. Weird. It could be set off by clean feed, which would go under the stress category, I would guess. But there's people that you know had a you know a bad root canal that had the AFib. Then for the story online, which again I understand reading stories online always questionable. But according to some people, you know they had issues for months, if not years, and then when the underlying cause was fixed, well then it disappeared. So. It's one of the, so anything like the, the human body, you never know exactly what's happening. I, I like, I prefer to not know, to be honest, computers are a lot less messy when you open them up. Yeah. You don't want to go in and just start poking things around, but yeah, no, well, I, I, this is not <laughs> something that was vax related or COVID related. And it's like, again, I've talked to my cardiologist about a lot of this and there are problems with COVID and and heart issues. You don't say. I know, but a lot of people don't believe that. And that's fine. You can believe whatever world you want to believe in. And just well, like this with the guy with the football player that just got smashed on the field. It's like this has been happening for years. It's a very weird thing, but I remember this happening to like a I've little league. smashed at a football game before. Well, that's a different kind of smash. This is. Yeah. And not, then I wasn't playing. Not alcohol related. <laughs> 
But I remember stories of like a little leaguer just getting hit in the chest with a pitch and his heart stopping. It's like this happens. The heart is a very weird thing. Well, well, the the heart is, is, well, I was going to say something about muscles, but let's just say the heart is a physical device that doesn't react well to blunt force trauma. You, You try taking a pump like an aquarium pump and hitting it really hard with a baseball and see if it does any better. Yeah, it's not going to be good. And the heart is very much built to be resilient, but there's like a very, very, very small window, I guess, between beats that if you get a hit at that particular time, the electrical part of the heart just goes, I'm stopping, which is a bad thing. Because people just, don't realize that there's a difference between a heart attack and cardiac arrest. You hear both of those. A lot of times people will uh, use them interchangeably. They're not a heart attack is a circulation issue, which means your heart can't push the blood through your veins to keep you alive. Cardiac arrest is just your heart completely stopping. When somebody has a heart attack, their heart isn't necessarily stopping. But when you have cardiac arrest, yes, then the heart stops beating. And that is a very bad thing. Now, luckily, so, when it comes to the NFL, is, is either one of them more or less bad than the other? They both sound like bad things. Well, you have a much higher chance of surviving a heart attack than cardiac arrest unless the proper medical equipment is there like it is on the sidelines of an NFL game because they know this kind of stuff can happen. Yeah. Isn't that where they have that that like electric battery thing? Like in all the schools now, you walk by and there's a big electric thing on the wall that with the two paddles that says IUD or whatever it's called. Yes, the defibrillator. Boom, baby. Yeah. You don't want to get hit with one of those. Well, you do if you if your heart stops. If, if your if your heart stops, then you know it's better than the alternative. Yes. I also the, don't think it's an IUD, but I don't remember what it was called. It's a little. That's, that's close. We're not really here for accuracy, are we? No. Now, no. General no. Millennial says it's an AED. That's a little no. different. <laughs> same thing close enough send us a message i knew we'll, there was a d in it somewhere there's there was a bunch of letters that just kind of works out yeah but yeah the holidays are over well, and like you're right and that was the other thing there wasn't a lot going on just one overall in the news cycle and then certainly not in the tech sphere because there's really nobody doing any news nobody's reporting yeah. on anything there really wasn't that much to talk about. I even had a tough time getting angry tech news out. I know that's a surprise, but we missed out on the best business idea that I've heard in a long time. Have you heard of the website? It is unsellablenfts.com. I am not familiar with this website, but I am intrigued. Well, here's the thing. We know a bunch of people were dumb. And spent a lot of money on NFTs. And now, yes. now they're regretting that decision. But but the promise of the NFT was that you buy it for too much money. And then it's worth a lot more. And you sell it later for even more money. Right. Wasn't that? That was yes. the whole point. That was the Which, idea. It, it, was, it was an entire industry built on a pyramid scheme. It turned out that didn't happen. I know. Surprise. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of like pyramid schemes. Eventually, the pyramid topples so i mean here's the thing if you're somebody in the united states and you went out and you bought one of those comic strip blogger nfts for ten thousand dollars heaven forbid 
and now you realize it's worth like three cents if that you you, you take a look at it and realize it's a csb art and uh, oh oh no we're doomed well here's the thing you can't take a loss legally without selling the nft uh-huh so in order to be able to take your loss on your taxes for that ten thousand dollar nft you bought you need to find a sucker to buy it from you yes and that's and what this unsellable nft for they'll you pay them and they'll they'll take the and NFT they'll buy off. it for like a dollar right they take yeah. the nft off your hand i'm like this is genius I, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad racket if you can get it no it's like so you're gonna pay me to take the garbage you overspent for and you're gonna pay me to take it off your hands like that's genius because that's the only way you can take because you can't take a loss if you still own the asset which makes sense so yeah if you if you got i mean i guess justin bieber bought some nft for a million dollars it's like you gotta feel pretty dumb about who really (laughs) thought something was gonna go up from a million bucks who didn't think Justin Bieber was pretty dumb anyway? Yeah, that's true. But he probably gets more pussy than Sinatra, and the guy's got millions I, to he blow. He definitely gets more than I do. See, there you go. I have one trying to climb in my lap right now. Well, I know it's a different kind, though. It's yeah. Canadian. He's, a, he's it's, one of them Canucks. This, this one's not nearly as much fun. The concept, I, though, is I, great. We have talked about NFTs multiple times, and in every case, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever really crystallized this, but the entire pitch for nfts and we should have recognized this immediately we we probably did is you are going to buy in and then people who come later are going to buy in and you get more money for it that is literally that is the definition of a pyramid scheme your money goes to people who were in the scheme before and you are promised money who come in the scheme after and eventually in every pyramid scheme the music stops and the people who got in last are left without chairs well the whole the people, crypto is this, the, this way <laughs> you know it's not just I, the nft it's the the whole crypto, lot of crypto market yeah. because we yeah. understand the concept of using a cryptocurrency in order to be able to buy and sell and trade goods you know to use the cryptocurrency as you would a fiat currency we get that what was if, always if it actually behaves like a currency, then it becomes not a pyramid scheme. And correct. I'm looking forward to the chance to where it's not like, hey, well, I'm buying this at and, one millionth of a penny because it might be worth a penny in a month. And, and the the podcast value streaming model is very much not a, a pyramid that is, in fact, behaving like currency. Yes. And you're doing but, it because you want to bring value from one place to another. You're not then speculating that it's not like hey i'm sending your show a dollar in lightning because it'll be worth a hundred dollars in a year like no it's i mean a it turns out like 50 percent of it is is podcasters sending their satoshis to other podcasters but yes have you still, noticed it's, that's the system <laughs> I, I keep i'm thinking because i've got i to be fair i have a decent amount of lightning at this point and i'm like should i turn it into like amazon gift cards i mean should i what should i do with no. it you you should probably store it with uh, Sam Bankman Freed. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think the last time I looked at my Get Albi, take good care of it. And I like the Get Albi wallet. It's a nice little easy to set up. I don't know how secure it is, which is also why I'm getting a little edgy because I think there's like three hundred and fifty dollars worth of lightning in there now. Well, I think I think we have enough evidence at this point to know 
that keeping your value in the big exchanges is not the most secure thing in the world. No, you have to own your keys. You have to own. Because the big exchanges and, and, you know, we reported on this when it was just Coinbase, but now it's a dozen exchanges who've all done this or said they do this. When they reach financial trouble, they dip into your money in order to pull, bail themselves out and their, their high priority debtor or creditors. And you're generally not on that list. You're just the one who's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Your wallet is actually empty now. Yeah, sorry about that. You, you get zero. You get nothing. And there's no FDIC in, in crypto coin. No, there is not. You are on your own. There is no safety net. And I have no name points out. People didn't learn from the Mount Gox crash. Exactly. Well, this is it keeps happening. It's greedy. What was that? 2017. It is greed. You know, and yeah. it won't happen to me. Nothing to worry about. And well, I, if you it, can, it's, it's capitalism is what it is. And if you can, you should own your own keys. You should be able to take control of you know all of your own stuff. And that's harder to do with the lightning. I mean, it's easy to do getting a little hardware wallet as I did from Ledger, which allows you to do the Bitcoin and the Cardano and all of the coins like that, but it doesn't do lightning. And for lightning, you really kind of need one of those little devices like a Raspberry Pi, or you set it up on your own server that yeah. is constantly running as a node. And we got to boost. I mean, I'm, I'm still a bit of a novice in the whole Bitcoin thing, but I can tell you that every Every Bitcoin I own, if somebody wants to seize that, whether it be uh, an exchange or law enforcement or whatever, they are going to have to physically come into this house. Because that's where they're stored. Yes, they may. You never they know. might. That's <laughs> all this, the security you know, aspect of all of this stuff is own everything yourself. This is uh, I, I haven't sufficiently reinforced the front door of my house to be able to keep a SWAT team out. So they might. You should try that. And I don't know, maybe Speaking of weirdness, like going on today, Satoshi stream may be down because I'm noticing in the troll room, and I'm just going to get this before it goes off, is that our buddy Boobery did just boost us 11,111. And he says, I will take good care of all that cheese for you because it's not popping up anywhere else. So this is going to this is going to go through and then it'll probably be gone to the uh, to the universe. Did you get any notification that uh, I don't know. Came I, in? Did I mention I? Fucked up my whole program trying to get ready for this show. Nothing is turned on right now. See, there you go. Including the cat. Not, not a good joke. Yeah, well, uh, uh, sorry. You know what? <laughs> I, I was sitting here typing commands to see if I could pull up. And then I realized how stupid it is to type commands into a console window. while I'm doing a show. You're like, I can't do this. It's, it's like spinning plates. But so, not, <laughs> not everything you, works. You you bailed out of last week's show because uh, health issues and and we all acknowledge your health issues are a thing. Um, I was really nice and healthy and ready to go last week, and then I went disc golfing with Bemlet. <laughs> <laughs> and this this affected your health in a negative way. It, it affected my health. I ended up with uh, you know what it, I'm I'm sure if I took a test it'd be my seventeenth time having the COVID, but I've never had a test, so as far as I'm concerned. I have a cold. Nice. Well, I don't know if you're hearing it. I'm I'm muting the hell out of this over and over again as I cough and sneeze. But well, see, usually with Bemlet, you've got a physical something that you need to go get a like cast or a splint or uh, 
you're in traction for a while. So at least you didn't get that part. Well, he uh, he did slip in mud and tear a nice big gouge in his right shin. Ooh, well, that he is very accident prone but, as well. Well, I, I I think he just brings it on himself. That could I be. looked at it and went, yeah, it'll close up on its own. And, and it kind of did. I mean, by the end, it was the blood gushing and turned into a trickle. <laughs> it's like, just just take a little bit of crazy glue, close that gash up. You'll be fine. I will tell you about disc golfing in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we were the only people on the course and we figured out why, because when we showed up, it was overcast, but relatively dry, at least as dry as it ever gets when everything is max humidity. And we go in, this course was about half of the course was underneath thick trees. And the other half of the course was in an open field. And the rain started right as we were about to play all the holes in the open field and came down like death the entire time, like just sheets of dripping and then stopped right as we went back under the trees. Seems like somebody doesn't like you. Well, it's either Bemlet or, or whoever controls the weather around here. It could be both. Could be. At least you didn't have a chainsaw this time. That is a plus. So, yeah, I'm feeling fantastic today. Well, you know, you're getting old. You're- so the big story that I brought, actually, I brought it last week uh, when it would have been totally topical because it was really cool and fresh. And then we got scooped by no agenda. That's hard because to believe. We, uh, students using chat GPT to write essays. Yeah. Who didn't see that coming? I, I We should have seen that coming. I don't think I mentioned it, but yeah, I, I was so annoyed when I heard Adam talk about this on no agenda. Cause I'm like, we would have talked about that if we had a show, but uh, the New York post interviewed an assistant philosophy professor. His name is Darren Hick uh, from Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm not going to give this guy crap about his name being Hick and being from South Carolina. (laughs) But what I do want to know is who names a city Greenville? That's almost as original as Springfield. And there's a lot of those. Yeah. Anyway, he assigned his his students a take home essay. And when he got them back, he spotted in one student, uh, the essay was a rudimentary answer that just seemed to throw up red flags about AI. So he used a uh, plagiarism detection software. And I didn't know this existed, but I, I, I love that this site is a thing and it needs to be uh, an open AI detector, which said, yes, 99.9% chance that this is from open AI. And he said, and the, the, the story said, but unlike standard plagiarism detection software, the software offered no citations, which I Ooh. guess means that the software is ready for modern journalism, but <laughs> I digress. Yeah, well, that's interesting because then how do you prove it? Well, he tried going ahead and recreating the essay by typing in the phrases that the student might have used into the chat GPT. Uh, no exact matches, but that doesn't that's not surprising considering it creates a new one each time. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is this is slightly random, meaning if you do the same thing over and over, will you get the exact same answer with this thing? I doubt it. I I doubt it's that deterministic. I I honestly haven't played with it, but you know how he finally found out that, uh, that the essay had been written by chat GPT. How, how, how would you do it? If say you were a professor and one of your students, you suspected him. Well, I would use the uh, 
the old method of just being like, hey, I ran this through a thing and it said it was this. I would just accuse exactly. them. Yeah. He confronted the student. He said, did you use this to write an AI? The student admitted, yes, he used chat GP to write his essay and failed the course as a result. <laughs> so so they, that'll they teach him to be honest. Right. <laughs> so if the answer here was, nope, I wrote that myself. Then yeah. the, the lesson here is don't be honest with your professors. <laughs> right. The lesson here is deny, deny, deny. Never give yeah. it up. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like politics the, yeah. where the, you, the opponents will never. Uh, yeah. If you decide to take the high road and come clean, you will be dragged through the mud for it. So why bother? Yeah, deny. So you never say you did it. About the essay, uh, it's a clean style, but it's recognizable. I would say it writes like a very smart twelfth grader. This AI is smarter than most students. Yeah, I was going to say this is way smarter than most students. Then (laughs) Uh, there's a particular odd wording that was not that used that was not wrong, just peculiar. If you were teaching somebody how to write an essay. This is how you would tell them to write it before they figure out their own style. I, so I, I love this story, but I had to ask, like, how is right using chat GPT, which obviously, you know, oh, we bring in AI that turns it into a text story. That's why we're talking about it on this show, of course. But how is it different from any of a dozen other ways to cheat a take home essay, having somebody else write it? You can even pay people online to write essays for you these days. Right. Well, then you just have to. Trust that they're writing a new essay for you and not just repurposing one. Yeah, that you hope. Would, right. Will then get you uh, punished you, with You the, hope that they're not just recycling the same essay for three other people in your class. Yes, that would be very bad. But I think this whole concept is just going to continue to make students dumber because people are going to take the easy way out. They don't need the help. No, they certainly do not. And it's just going to be a question of. Who really has the the fortitude to actually want to learn? Because I think moving forward, these little devices that people carry around with them all day in the cell phone let you do a lot of things that you really had to have some knowledge to do just you know a few years ago. And this really is it's, it's leading to the dumbing down of society. And this is going to show you that kids are going to find a way. If you go through any kind of, you know, normal schooling, they're going to be able to use AI or whatever it is at the time, whatever it morphs into in order to do the work for them. And I don't think there's any way to avoid that. I mean, really, it's just going to come down to more. I think we're going to see more one-on-one student teacher moments where instead of hand in a paper, I think oral reports are going to become a much bigger thing again. I, I, I think that is absolutely that or in-person exams are the solution. I wasn't going to take it to the, the dumbing down of B. I, I honestly think that this is brilliant on the part of the students, except for the part where he got caught. Right. And the part where he was honest, that clearly didn't work out for him. I but, mean, obviously it's something that you can use as a resource to get information handed to you but you still have to then be able to absorb and isn't that what, that what learning is about is understanding how to use the resources that are available to you yes i the, the place i was going with this is that this is this is an ingenious solution to a problem that shouldn't exist anymore and the ultimate problem is that academia is is not 
updating its requirements, its criteria, its methods to acknowledge that people learn differently today. And the reason people learn differently is that they're in a different world than they were 40 years ago. Yes. We, we don't have to memorize rote facts anymore because all the facts are in a device in our hand. We don't have to uh, you know, learn how, I mean, yes, there's, there's certainly a lot of, of you're getting dumber because you're not doing original thought. And if, if you're, they're assigning an essay and you take the essay question and punch it into a bot and turn in the paper, you haven't learned anything. And congratulations, you're an idiot and shouldn't be in school. But I, I guess this is a symptom to me of an existential problem for the academic system, because the academic system has always been focused on making people memorize things, which is totally useless when you can look things up in an instant, uh, making people, uh, you know, learn concepts before they ever have a reason to use it. And in the YouTube learning era, it goes the other way around. You need to learn something and then you watch a video to learn how to use it. it, it Academia is is all about teaching people everything that they'll never need to know on the off chance that some of it you will need to. And and that doesn't work with the information on demand. But the entire idea of dedicating several years to your of your life to going off to do nothing but study things for the purpose of maybe it'll make it useful later in life. Is anachronistic, I, I think that. This is a sign that the that academia needs to change how they move people through the system. You know, how do you determine pass and fail anymore? Essays aren't it. Rope memorization no. isn't it. Well, it's a, yeah, you have to have a, a way to prove somebody's ability to understand the subject. And this has been going on even long before the AI came into it because the online colleges changed everything where you'd never have to go to a physical location. A lot of it is just submitting work that is in the form of essay, or maybe there are some group projects, but usually the group projects are just an essay split into five pieces and each of the five people in the group take their own part. But the concept of being able to say, Hey, how do we know that the person that's the student is actually learning? It is going to come back down to, in, can you imagine going back to blue books where you come in and you write a longhand into a uh, into a notebook your answer? I, I, I can imagine that because I use blue books in some of my courses. They, they where, were being phased out already by the time I was in school, which was many years ago. But some of the older professors were like, "This still works. We're doing this." You're, which was hilarious because, of course, yeah. I had, you know, one course that needed a blue book in a given semester. So I had to make sure to go out and buy one just for that course's exam. Well, it was definitely hard to, uh, you know, harder to cheat when using the, yeah. uh, it's like, uh, kid, can kids even write longhand anymore? If you gave a kid a blue Not book, really. it's like, no, that was another, that was another skill that was being phased out when I was in school back uh -huh. in the day, being able to write. I mean, come on, there's that. But it's so much easier to cheat if somebody's able to go onto their own laptop or whatever they're using. You know, yeah. Even if it's like we're sitting in class to it, it's like it's just it and then is we get detrimental. And then we get to all the proctoring software. I, it was years ago, but right at the beginning of all the lockdowns when proctoring software became huge, which is basically 
uh, authoritarian anusware that installs on your system and tries to completely screw up every function of your computer for the presumed purpose of hoping you won't cheat. Right. We have to make sure you won't cheat. It doesn't work and it destroys your computer. But otherwise, you know, professors love it. Well, they were using this a few years ago. Was it Philadelphia with young grade school kids? And they found out that people in the school system were then accessing the webcams and watching the little kitties while they were at home. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yes, there were. You know, this is all very bad. This is the death of any kind of privacy. And I wasn't kidding on today's edition of Random Thoughts when I said, you know, I think it should be a felony to give any child under the age of 18 access to the Internet. You know how many problems would be solved if we just Internet access 18 and up that we don't have to worry about any porn filters. I I, I kind of. I'm going to have to disagree with you, but I don't know that I want to have that argument. I'm just going to say that's a that's a bold statement to make. Thank you. I thought so, but it solves so <laughs> many problems. I, I, I appreciate the bold statement. I understand that it solves the problems, but it is kind of the opposite of my argument with regards to we, you know, if an education should be teaching people how to use the tools in the world that they're going to be in. And and the academic system these days is still focusing on you need to memorize things that you have absolutely no context how to use, which is not preparing anybody for entering the world today. I would agree Uh, with that. uh, Professor Darren Hick, uh, quote, fears what chat GPT will do to academic honesty. Um, I just, I, I had to pull that quote out because honesty isn't really being taught at any level of society anymore. It was my thought. It's, it's all being replaced, especially in, in a lot of colleges, with social justice that demands context before deciding right from wrong, uh, situational ethics, the ends justify the means. People aren't learning honesty in school. I don't know where this professor thinks he is. I, yeah. No, anyway. that's certainly not the the end game. It is pass uh, whatever, any which way you can. Yeah, it, I I feel like. Social justice teaches people to use situational ethics to win at all costs. And 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 now this professor is is decrying that some of his students are applying that lesson to their classes. Well, your class is antiquated and they're applying exactly the lessons that the school system is teaching them. So I don't put this on the students. If you're allowing people to use the written word and they have something available at their disposal to create the written word for them. You've lost, which is why the written word now is kind of useless. Well, the spoken word isn't worth all that much more, judging by how many donations we get. It's gonna uh, well, it's gonna be that it's getting closer to that too. I mean, just imagine that'll be the other thing. It'll go to well, you have to submit an oral report, but then you can have your chatbot do that for you as well. It can just yeah, yeah, it'll happen. You know, well, this it, is, it, nobody it, has to, you know, go if to you school. wrote your AI to, to build a podcast and then you have your chat pot known as Gwif read. I, oh, wait, did I Wouldn't say that? that be great. You just, then the, then you can have bots that can listen to the podcasts for you. Oh and, yeah. That's even better. <laughs> the end result you wouldn't is need people in the equation at all. No. And then, and then you could have bots that's that take your streaming sats and send them to other bots. And that is exactly what we've got going on here. And uh, thanks to uh, NetNed for another boost, 6666. Oh, Look, wow. Looking forward to Sir Bemro switching to free DOS in the future. Uh, you're gonna, I'm going to need more information about that, but I will totally research it. 
Yeah. And so, again, we're not getting sats live today. So there's there's weird things going on in the world. Any tech weirdness, I, I can't upload files to WordPress. You can't get on to clean feed. Our Satoshis aren't Satoshiing. You know what it is? It's the Y2K3 bug. It could be. Is that was 2023? <laughs> was this the I don't the, know. This is the bad year. No, but the 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 calendar flipped over and I, I have I, I really don't know. I anything I do is going to be idle speculation. And I'm good at that, but I wanted to pull out my last point about the the academic system because I'm not done ranting about them. In fact, I may never be. But what I guess, why is academia even a thing? Um, is is it training for jobs? Is it building minds? Is it babysitting twenty somethings? Is yes. it just exist to scam student aid out of dollars out of the federal government? Yes, why? I think it's all of those. I, I think well, it is. It, it, arguably back in the day you went to college for training for jobs. And I, I would say that the main reason now, I mean, build, babysitting 20 somethings and scamming student aid sound pretty good. Building mine seems like the kind of thing they'd tell you, but it, I don't know if it's working, but training for jobs. That's not what, well, first of all, there's never been a philosophy class in the universe that trained you for jobs. So this guy, philosophy professor, he's not training anybody. This is not, vocational but even like, you're trying to train people to go out you say you're trying to train people to go out in the world and do the job and in the real world and i learned this years and years and years ago when i got myself a cs degree and then promptly ignored everything that i learned during my coursework because it was all useless because any professor who was worth a crap or understood how software was developed was making 10 times more money in industry than they would teaching people in college. So having a CS degree way back in the day was completely useless in terms of it didn't teach you any of the skills or any of the technologies. But now that's going way past computers. We've got people who are, you know, first of all, we're, we're training people for jobs. We're, we're training them by saying, this chat GPT is at your disposal. And if your manager is an idiot and assigns you to write an essay, then go ahead and, you know, use the tools to get that essay done efficiently. That should be rewarded in industry, not penalized and not failing your class. Okay. But the other fundamental question I have for you is how are we training people for jobs? If we are giving them skills that can be replaced by automation, you're not. And there's a big, you know, movement and a lot of discussion going on with the fact that a lot of this AI stuff is very close to replacing a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of jobs. Yes. And, and if society is to move forward, then those jobs are going to be replaced. Let's, right. let's not worry too much about the moral question of should it or should it not? It's going to happen. You can't stop it. So maybe our, our preparatory institutions should acknowledge that you're not doing a good job of training people for jobs. If you're training them how to flip burgers or how to uh, mine coal, or if you're, you know, if you're training them how to write an essay that chat GPT can spit out and it makes just as much sense. Right. I mean, you think about all the jobs, think of people just answering phones. The AI is going to be able to do that really well, very shortly. And it's beyond just the, Oh, press one for this, press two for this. No, you're going to be able to call up a business 
ask the AI a question. It will understand the question and give you the answer. Which I mean, they sort of already have had that for 20 years that the AI wasn't very good. Right. But the AI is getting that much better. It's getting better. That's I still hammer the zero button until it connects me with a human, but that's me. <laughs> or you have to go. There's a website that gives you that information. And because a lot of these places have figured this one out, which is asshole hitting zero should not be connected ever. Like yeah, FedEx. some people are figuring that out. Uh-huh. Uh, the other thing you do is you swear into it. You just like, OK, yeah, it's automated system. OK, fuck, shit, fart, shit, fuck, 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 fart, fuck, cunt. Hello, ben, Mr. Benrose. And then, yeah, and then it'll connect you because it's like, oh, AI detected this person is really angry. We should try to calm them down. <laughs> they do that to you, though, just when you say hello. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. No, that is how I say hello. This person seems very angry. Yes, you are correct. Which is that it'll also be doing it'll be doing your lie detector and all this stuff right over the uh, the phone from oh, the and, sound and, of your voice. A slightly related story that i'm not going to go too deep into because it was uh because i went into it on angry tech news this week um talks about machine learning algorithms writing code and how that code tends to be really 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 terrible and unstable and insecure and have lots of bugs and and security holes in it so the worst code is actually written by machines yeah and i thought the worst code was written by you know millennials but what do i know you never know (laughs) <laughs> you never know, but the world is changing. There's no question about it. The skills that you learn growing up are changing. I mean, like we said, people aren't learning how to actually write anymore with their hands. I mean, okay, then they're really not being taught to write when it comes to being able to put your ideas into focus. You got all of the tech speak. You got people that are, their attention spans are so short because of things like social media and texting that anything over like 200 characters seems like, Oh my God, that's so long. I thought the limit was 280, but yeah, it could be. (laughs) And now, I mean, there's a lot of people that just have almost zero ability to communicate via speaking or to even get their point across with the ability to speak concisely. I mean, it used to be a big thing. In high school and college. We haven't developed that ability. Where do you get it? Uh I don't know. It's like, you know, this is public speaking used to be a big thing. You know, that was a, a, you would teach somebody. It was one getting over fears. It was two being able to be eloquent and get your ideas across. I mean, podcasting is great for that, but school probably not so much. I always, always loved the, the, a bit of Jerry Seinfeld stand up where he points out, he says, uh, public speaking is the number one fear amongst the average American. Number two was death. That means that if you have to be at a funeral, you would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of people. You know, and it's, you know, I went through that young when I was younger. It was definitely you didn't want to get up in front of a group of people. But, you know, I won. But having a microphone in front of you at all time helps. And when I was able to go in for my one, you know, 15 minutes of glory here on WLUP back in the day with Johnny B, when the audience was over a million people, they put a microphone in front of me, said, read the sports. And I was fine with that. 
where, you know, some people would be like, well, I, I, why did I not know this part of your history? No, you never heard the uh, Johnny B story. That was a, it was one of the it was a big back of the day. This was the biggest guy in the radio in Chicago in the morning. Oh, and I thought this was you. No, that was, but <laughs> well, I went on to do the sports on his show. Okay. Oh, okay. Which I, I was, don't remember this for only one bit. There was a thing like the sports guy okay. was going to be yeah. off. So they're like, well, we're going to, you know, who wants to do the sports? And, you know, we got like three or four sports casts throughout the day, one every hour. And I got oh one God. of the slots and sat down in front of one of these mic was one of these microphones. I remember very clearly it was one of these Electro Voice RE20s, the old fashioned, you know, gray looking ones. Yeah. But it was just really kind of fun knowing that there's like a million people that are listening with the words coming out of your mouth. It was a little bit of a bigger stream than uh, than we're on now. I I certainly had the same hump to get over when when I was uh you know, a very young kid, I was mortified by stage fright when I went on the Ramblin' Rod show. And no, I don't expect anybody in the. <laughs> what in is the, Ramblin' Rod? I don't expect anybody to get that. It was a local Portland area TV show that uh, what what they did was they brought in. Um, usually, it was it was a class or a, a Boy Scout troop or uh, but a children adolescent Ramblin' Rod like the little Boy pre- Scouts, did he? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to go there. He seemed perfectly fine to me, but I was ten. But uh, it it was it was usually you know youth groups, but it was all people under fifteen. And he would have a different group in for every single weekly episode. So going in, it would be your whole class in the background, and maybe they'd select a few people that they arranged beforehand to come out and speak. But most of the class was just standing in the background and just standing in the background. I mean it. First of all, in the 1980s, just having your face appear on TV, even if you were one of 20 kids in the background of a shot for 30 seconds was incredible. And we, you know, get the VCRs out and punch record and rewatch that several times because because broadcasting was a lot more rare back then. Hell yeah, you're on TV. But I went on that show once and I was one of the guys standing in the background and uh it it mortified me and I never even had a speaking part. You and left your pants, pants on, recorded right? it and made me watch it over and over again, which would torture. You did leave your pants on, right? I don't remember. That would have got you on the, that would have got you on the local news too. Well, it was on the local PBS station. Nice. So. <laughs> They're looking for donations now, but that's it. It's uh that's, that's your podcasting journey began right there. It's your foray into the medium if you will yes well the the story i like to tell about how my podcasting journey began involved uh being a gigantic troll on irc and having this guy named darren come up to me and be like you should do a podcast with me and i said i would but i hate my voice <laughs> you think you're so smart do a podcast well okay and i do think i'm so smart see and now i'm doing a podcast and don't you all regret it Yeah. Don't you regret it? Send in a lot of funds, and that way the podcast will stop. If we become independently wealthy, the podcast will go away immediately. Yes, something like that. I think that's a trick. Did you see the story of the guy that intentionally drove his Tesla off a cliff in California? Uh, was, was this his way of getting a trade-in? <laughs> no, I think he was trying to kill himself and the other three people in the car. But Okay. You know, and this is a horrible there, story. There's a joke in there right? somewhere. This was a guy, two kids in the car 
and the guy and the driver and somebody else. You know, having been a kid in the car on long road trips, I know I aggravated my dad that much sometimes. You're thinking hard, but he never drove off a cliff. No. And this was uh, someplace, I guess this happens a lot. It's a dangerous stretch of road off a cliff in California. And the most interesting thing to me was one, this is the devil's slide cliff, which I thought was a great name, but the ER, the people that were responding, the emergency services were like, you know, this happens all the time, but nobody ever lives. This is like 250, 300 feet down. And this Tesla went off. And of course, the first thing was like, what well, was it? The was it the auto driver? And, well, and it's still burning to this day. Could be. It could be. But I'm, the oddity here is I mean, one, it, it does not appear to have been an auto driver thing. It appears to have been intentional. But with that said. All four people in the car survived, which says to me, Tesla's got some fucking great crash stuff built well, into these vehicles. There's so much mass. Those cars are so heavy. There's so much mass. <laughs> and, you know, the battery is designed to be the crumple zone that takes all of the impact to just to maximize the chance that it catches fire and burns until the end of the century. Which I'm surprised there was no fire, but it's like that. So you went off a cliff down 300 feet and everybody in the car survived, including a four-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. I totally want to see Tesla take footage of that and put it in their marketing now. That's right. This is going to be a new. There is a photo of the car, which is barely not even recognizable as a car. But yes, maybe you'll see Tesla's flying off cliffs in their latest ads. Like this is the safest car ever. If it was on self-driving, then then. AI has reached a new plateau that I did not expect them to reach yet, which it suicidal AI. I felt like it was always an inevitability at some point. We're just going to get to Marvin out of the hitchhiker's guide. Yes. But I, I didn't think we were there yet. I th- we could be closer than we think. It could be closer than we think. Next, we're going to end up, you know, prescribing a de- or depress antidepressants for AI. Hey, you know what? If people can make money Almost at that decongestants, the, well, you need those too. people could be do. there with that. But I think we're, we're what, about an hour. I'm all off because of the, the late start today due to the, the tech issues. But I think we're about an hour in. So we have some people we can thank for supporting this show as as flawed as it may be today. Yes. But like all the people who are still listening after our start. They're like, this was the best part was when there was everything going wrong. People like that. I don't know why there's something in the human being that wants to listen and be like, everything's going wrong. And it's, it's humorous. I believe they just like to hear me complain about things. They're like, oh yeah, Bemrose is going to be pissed. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. He's going to have to download a browser. Holy shit. Get get the popcorn. Somebody pushed an update to clean feed with the purpose of trying to break this show so that they could hear me complain about it. Probably and clean feed changed the, the settings to which was not the issue today, but now I understand why all of a sudden you and Larry were only showing up in the left channel because it was on music optimized settings rather than speech, which I've always had it on speech. I don't know how that changed, but I digress. Well, I don't know. I don't know if CleanFeed does this, but my Motu only sends left channel because the microphone is mono and the Motu is the Motu M2 sends two channels with, uh, you know, 
space for two microphones. Right. So if I had a second microphone, it'd show up in the right channel. Then you could be in stereo. You can move in stereo from the left to the right. Do not adjust your speakers. We it control turns out it. I don't have a second microphone because I only have one mouth. Ooh, we should work on that. And I wasn't planning on micing my butt. Well, that would be a th- that's like uh, abs in a six pack. Some of the other shows, yeah, like this is abs in a six pack or something. I think, but I digress. In fact, I would not be surprised if it's been done. I just don't feel like being the one to do it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Somebody's done it. Somebody's got smell of vision going on too. <laughs> but with that, we are a value for value podcast, which means we put these shows out there. There are no paywalls or any of that. You get to listen to them. You get to enjoy them. And if you've gotten any value out of them and you know, you have today, you've been snickering along. I can hear you. You should get some value back to us. The best way to do that, of course, is using cash, baby cash. Well, this is not a cashless society yet, but we have a few people to thank for today, including Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley coming through with his $25 a month support, which can maybe buy us a new browser, some uh, maybe a new clean feed. Maybe there's a better solution. There's so many of these things out there now between Zen Kit. We tried like all of them, I think, but I'd be curious. I know Gene over on uh, the Unrelentings, he loves the Zencaster. I don't know why people get weird kind of uh, affinities towards the certain devices or software and i just want whatever works which of course today was nothing uh oh i there's a letter here somewhere i sergeant fred came in with 20 bucks via check i remember this letter i actually i was touched did you get a copy of the letter because where did i put it here well i got an email that was probably it the email uh i know he also listed here because i also got a paper version okay Wow, that's uh, probably okay, way paper louder. version is superior in every way. <laughs> he, he also points out that he has four podcasts now, and I'm like, he's trying to catch up to me. I like Sergeant I know. Fred. I need to go dig into those because the only one, the only one I listened to was uh, his 2030 podcast, which is uh, it's sort of been on hiatus because he lost his co-host. Well, look I mean, for he, he keeps popping in and going, yeah, the podcast still exists, and I, I'm happy he does that, but uh, need to. You know, he, he does one called uh, the podcast reporter, I think. Yes, he's got um, the 2030 podcast dot com podcast reporter dot com. The struggling biz dot com and my favorite grumpy old bears dot com, which I have not put into a browser yet because I'm just curious. <laughs> I, I don't want to know you're 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 grumpy curious. Is that <laughs> kind of um let's you know and the print is so small on this printed one it's hard for me to read so if you have the uh i'm sure it's kind words well i i had everything and now nothing's open oh no but we appreciate it sergeant fred i mean everybody should listen to his podcast whether it's on or not and he is an expert there's no question about it and i need big print very big print if you send anything that is uh, printed up that's what i have it on the screen that i just take it and i make it nice and large do i want to do i want to type in grumpy old just to see what yes you do <laughs> yes you do because it's content it is will it will it set off my like uh antivirus and uh, like no don't go to that page grumpy old bears discussion with the grumps topics for high tech and other subjects to deliver value to listeners 
Wait, value? Yeah, that sounds about right. The latest episode, Mr. Bear welcomes in the new year. Are you playing like roles here? Who's Mr. Bear? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I do have, I have the email. It's, it's pretty short, so this might not be the one. He says, as an expert, I am sending in my check as a small token of appreciation and Xmas gift to our grumpy old Ben's. And I'm so glad that you guys are delivering value as you have reignited the audiences to listen, especially with thanks to Ryan Bemrose and to you, Darren, from your loyal listener and expert, airborne all the way, Sergeant Fred, who is also a no agenda knight called Sir Frederick the Terrible Knight of the Airborne Paratroopers. Oh, I like that. The Terrible. That's He's a- not that terrible. Seems like a pretty nice guy, but I mean, if he wants, if he wants that street cred is like the terrible, you don't want to, you know, you want to go in, if you're going into a bad neighborhood, you want to be like, Hey, it's Sergeant Fred, the terrible. You don't want to be like nice guy. They'll, they'll trample over the nice guy. He's the, he's the one that'll like snap your neck like a chicken bone. I believe that. That's why you're got to be like, he's ancient, like in his late fifties or sixties. And (laughs) He probably could still bend me. Well, yeah, you're in such bad shape that it's, oh, it's right now. It's not that hard, but thank you, Sergeant Fred. The 20 very much appreciated came in in the snail mail route, which we also love because that means nobody takes a percentage, no PayPal, nothing else. And that's a, which is also Judah cookie came in with 10 bucks also via the U S post office. So it was a good week for the post office. And then we have the Patreones. Our buddy Brian Janak out there in Cheesehead Land in Wisconsin coming in with $10. Stephen McConnell with five. That guy is the patron saint of podcasters. There's a few of them now. Uh, yeah, one of about five. Steve E, Just- Dennis Woods, five bucks, and Manny Shevitz, five bucks, all over on Patreon, where there's absolutely no extra content, which is, it seems to be a selling point. <laughs> They're like, you know what? You go where the people are. It's, I, I have used the Patreon site and if you are already paying into a, a Patreon project, they make it tremendously easy to just drop another project in there. And so yes. for the people who are already paying into Patreon, you don't have to get an Albi account. You don't have to sign up for anything. You've already got it. And this obviously is a selling point of a service like Patreon. You can just pop over to the grumpy old Ben's page and say, yeah, go ahead and just increase my payout by, uh, you know, a hundred dollars a month and right. send it to these guys. And it'll just happen like magic. Yeah. It's, it's very low friction. Of course, there's a bunch of people now going, yeah, but they're going to, they're going to censor people and they're going to turn them off. Well, they haven't done it yet. Well, if you are concerned about that, that's why we have a PO box. Yes. You can send cash straight on. Just like Mulvad, the VPN, you can just send cash in the you mail. You can show up at my door with cash in your hand. <laughs> as long as you have cash. And uh, just make sure the cash is out where I can see it or you're going to get shot. Right. Make sure the cash is visible. And, and you're, you're going to ta- have to answer some hard questions about how the hell you found my place. <laughs> well, it depends how much cash there is. The yeah. You know, depending on what answer will be required. But we appreciate each and every person for listening and supporting the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. You should be able to go directly to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate for all of the information, even though some people say that doesn't work. It's one of them weird tech years where some things are just not working, but it'll all get figured out. It's just the Y2K23 or something. So I don't, I don't know what it is. I have received multiple payments, uh, uh, donations 
to Angry Tech News during the course of this show, but I have nothing for Grumpy Old Bands. You see, there's something weird going on that something weird going on because that I'm the split. I blame Dave right, Yeah, because the split should be directly to you. So that's not even anything to do with Satoshi's dot stream. Yeah, there there shouldn't be. I mean, there's obviously the the intermediate nodes in the lightning network, which I believe are uh, uh, Sir Spencer and uh, I think Servo has like we have some inbound links and obviously some things are getting here because the angry tech news ones are coming through but yeah and the boost bot is showing the ones for grumpy old bands but i don't well maybe boost bot is taking my share maybe wouldn't doubt it to have a word damn boost bot i don't get it the technology just doesn't work sometimes (laughs) speaking of bitcoin uh this one's nothing more than a headline for me but uh during the last week and a half the bitcoin hash rate dropped by 40% because they say because storms were knocking miners offline. Oh, sure. Not that people I, I, I are running for the, for the I, now, hills. Now I'm sitting here going, if you're a big miner, which the, the big people, guys, the ones who rent out huge warehouses right next to a nuclear plant, those are the ones who constitute the bulk of the hash rate. And for them not to have a battery backup, doesn't really strike me as, making sense so i don't know if i believe that but it was interesting that uh according to this last wednesday there was 254 exa hashes per second which by the way that number boggles the freaking mind yeah that's big i i think that's uh 254 followed by 18 zeros per second per second um but the total number of attempted hashes last Wednesday was 254 exa hashes per second. And today or this morning when this story came out, it was 155. So in a week, it dropped from 254 to 155, down 40%. Um, I don't, again, I don't feel like the storm is, is necessarily the only thing. For one thing, it wasn't a global storm. It hit North America pretty hard and Europe had their issues too, but um, there had to have been something else going on in the new year. I don't know. Yeah, uh, some did, new crypto did China regulations. China shut down right. something? Well, that would be, yeah, that would be the big one if, because uh, we've seen that before when China changes laws and all of a sudden a whole ton of miners go dark at the same time. You know, until they can move somewhere else. Well, a changing law wouldn't do it that quickly, but changing something in the firewall that effectively blocked them might. That could be. Maybe that's why Brave isn't working. Uh, it's is Clean Feed a Chinese company? Is that that what's going on? You never know. I don't know where this is all being routed through. It's all magic. It just works. I and by the way, uh, the fact that it was sending it through the white noise through, even when muted tells me that that white noise was not in the audio channel. It was being injected by it was something, something with the browser, which was overriding the audio. It's very strange. But if it was coming, if it was coming in the audio channel from my end, then the clean feed mute would have stopped it. You would think when I muted it, it went, but when you muted it, not so much. So I don't, it's technology. You know, I know we're a tech show, but sometimes technology just beyond understanding. Effing close to magic. It is. It is absolutely close to magic. I had a a story about the Google home speakers, which are really no different than all of these other talking tubes, except for the fact that 
up that, until that one. Okay, we're taking that out of the angry tech news rundown now. Well, see, there it is. It's the concept that this has now been patched allegedly. Although there's allegedly. probably you know another op- a wide open door for this. But I loved how easy it was for anybody. I mean, granted, they had to be within a physical proximity to your device, meaning they're going to have to be right outside your house to do this. And usually these things have a decent range, but, you know, it's not like you can go a few houses down the street or anything. But if you're close enough, you know, if you can get somebody to look like they're checking on some, you know, electrical wire, you know, doing any kind of work very close to your home, they could get access. That's close enough to be able to knock your speaker offline. And a lot of these devices, I've noticed this even when hooking up my washer and dryer, you know, to the Wi-Fi. All of these devices have an internal Wi-Fi. Once they're knocked offline, the way you get in to set them up is they're like, hey, we'll just set up our own Wi-Fi hotspot. So the Google device has its own little hotspot, which you can then connect to and set it up to do whatever you want and then let it reconnect to the person's home network. And now you can spy on them from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. The, the hack that I had been reading about, which may be the same one just from a different site was it like, it didn't even require anything to do with the microphone. You just had to be close enough to get connect to the Wi-Fi that, that the home speaker helpfully broadcast to everybody in the neighborhood. Yes. Well, to and knock it, it off involves, yeah, it involves, uh, yeah, you, you knock it off of the Wi-Fi using Dioth packets and then you, connect to the it goes into auto setup mode you connect there you add another user to the device and now it's yours forever and then you can just turn on the microphone yes so so you can war drive by people's house running a script that does this and adds a user to it which then now it's part of your botnet from anywhere on the internet you can which of course that means that you sell that botnet information on the darknet web because the people doing the hacks usually aren't the ones who are using it as part of a botnet. No, they sell it for Bitcoin. Right. Because that's where the money's at until Bitcoin crashes. And then you're going to be, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But it's like how easy is it is. And people don't realize I've mentioned this multiple times from testing some of these devices. The microphones in these things are so good. There was a, article was there's been a bunch of crappy tech articles i think it was on fox news but it's all these like trying to be tech tips and they're garbage but it was uh oh don't don't put any of these uh talking tubes in your bedroom or anywhere that's that's <laughs> or private. in your house right well see no in the house they're like well you know having it where you know guests would be in a public area that makes more sense but in your bedroom where you know there might be more private things going on and i'm like I've tested these things and the microphones in them can pick crap up from two or three rooms away if it's loud enough. And I'm not even yeah. saying like it has to be screaming. I mean, if people I often underestimate the range of a microphone. Yes. Because well, for example, uh, this just total side anecdote. Um, when I am on discord with Bemlet, I use the same setup here. Cause why the hell wouldn't I, which means that I am doing gaming chat with an RE three twenty. Now that's and elite. I, I I think it's pretty awesome. And and trust me, it it's better than any other microphone as long, you know, the only downside, it's still my voice. But Lisa, my wife, 
will, she spends a lot of time at, in her office. Cause we have separate offices that, that by the way, is a key to marriage is you know, love each other, cherish each other and stay the fuck away from each other. Yes. And wish her She's, a very happy birthday. Isn't it her birthday today? Today is in fact, my wife's birthday. She's okay. uh she's 28 today. Oh, well that's good. She keeps getting younger. Yes. Um in the I'm surprised you remembered that. <laughs> I know everything. Um, she is in the far corner of the house and if she sneezes, I will hear Bemlet on the other end of Discord go, "Bless you, Lisa." <laughs> yes, these things because, they pick up everything. Because my mic picks it up from the opposite end of the house. Yes. Do not assume that because a device with a microphone is in the next room that it can't clearly hear you. There is a big difference between being able to understand speech and having it sound perfect like broadcast. When we're doing the show now, we're talking right in front of the microphone, but it doesn't matter if there's a bunch of room echo and all of that. It wouldn't be good for a podcast, but when you're doing things like uh, you're just trying to be able to hear somebody, not hard. Yeah, I wouldn't do this show from back in my wife's office. But you could. But but if I go back there and sneeze, you could yes. bless me. See, there you go. Do not underestimate just how far the microphones can pick things up from. No question about it. And and, and my general advice for uh, the Google Home, the Amazon Alexa, all of them is uh, they, they operate best when unplugged and not in your house and in the garbage dump. Well, and the, at least the Amazon device that I have, which I think is like the first generation. I don't know if the newer ones have this or not, but it has a button, the hardware button, which will turn off the microphone. Now you have to believe that's actually working, but if it is in fact, a hardware button turning off the microphone, then it makes it nice and easy to deactivate it. Cause you can even go start playing music, then hit the turn off microphone. And then you can enjoy the, the, the ones music. that have the built-in Wi-Fi. I don't think I could trust because, you know, they don't. They're like, we're just going to uh, keep on connecting. The, the ones worry. that are an echo puck that you have to plug into something with a USB or a power. At least if you can unplug them and remove power, then, you know, they're off. Yes. A hammer does work for that, sir. Omaha. Yes. You're absolutely right. Thank you, sir. Oma. That <laughs> I was going there too. another an article I had pulled out. I thought this was interesting that, uh, Xfinity, we always say good things about Xfinity, but this one was an interesting uh, thing saying that the Xfinity customers report their accounts have been hacked in widespread attacks that somehow bypassed the two-factor authentication, which also shows you, yeah, I mean, one, don't trust that anybody that has implemented two-factor authentication actually is done it right, right, has done it correctly and that it can't be beaten, but this is something that I really had not given a whole lot of thought to, but it makes sense because it's the same thing that we've talked about when people get access to your phone, which is the accounts were like, who cares if somebody gets into your Xfinity email? It's like, well, the problem is the people who use that email on Coinbase or other crypto exchanges that are then able to have that hacked email account allow for the resetting of passwords on banking accounts. Yeah. Well, if uh, uh, any email that you actually use, you know, every site now, every, every login you have anywhere is an email address and you'd better have that email address secure because it is, 
you know, it doesn't matter how many factors of authentication there are. Almost everything on the internet, if you lose your email address, you've lost every account you've ever logged into with that email address because every site has the I lost my password button, which should it's mislabeled What the text on that button should say, please bypass all security because I'm a dumbass. Yes. And reset it for me. So if you don't, it's, it's hard to understate. The most important security you can possibly have is the email that you use to log into everything else. Because there's so many, every site just has the, you know, it's either you log in with your, your fingerprint and, uh, you know, the, the blood of a thousand angels and, uh, you know, a demonic sigil and, and, you know, six different passwords and a code from your phone. Or I, I forgot all that. Please bypass my security and email me a new one. Which is why these little hardware devices, the YubiKeys are becoming more important again for companies that allow for them. It does make it a lot harder for your stuff to be compromised. Most people don't like it because it's a pain in the ass, which means if you want to log into your email on a new device, and you don't have the YubiKey, then you're out of luck. But nobody said security was easy. No. I mean, I totally no, forgot. At least LastPass. Yeah, well, and this is it. I mean, the you know the whole LastPass thing had me kind of thinking. And I went for the first time because I rarely get Monero. It turns out I've gotten exactly two donations through Monero now for the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show. but. With Monero, it's I just took an old drive. I put the Monero on there and I went to load it up the other day for the first time in a long time. And the first thing that pops up is the password prompt. And I type the password in and it's like, nope. And I'm like, oh, did I get it wrong? I typed it again. Nope. What What do you mean? I turned off so I could see what I was typing in. Nope. And I had totally forgotten that I had to first go into my hardware wallet and unlock that for that password to even work because at first i'm like oh boy i guess i'm out 40 bucks or whatever's in there but that was if that i would be shit out of luck man if i did not have that password if that was wrong you're not getting in which is what you want you want a good password and you don't want there to be any when it comes to things you would really want to be protecting you don't want what you just said which is Oh, you can't get in here. Let us help you by sending a password to somebody yeah. else. It's, it's far more secure to not have that. But the downside is if you are a dumbass and yes. lose your password, then it's gone. I'm like, I know which this is, is which right. Is how it works with most crypto. Uh-huh. I know this is right. Why isn't it working? But that's why a lot of these things, there was another story, some malware on Android called Godfather which was doing nothing but targeting banks and crypto exchanges. This is the new malware, which is why it scares the crap out of me. There was just a story out of, uh, was it Denmark? There was one of those countries over by there that no, no longer really use cash. And they're like, this was the first year ever. They didn't have a bank holdup because they're a cashless society. And I'm like, I'd rather have bank holdups. Yeah. I, I feel like that that's, uh, it, it's much dramatized, but not a very common downside and a small price to pay for not having money that 
that people can turn off because you said the wrong thing on Twitter. Yes. Hey, the Twitter files keep coming out too, man. They're entertaining. Oh my gosh. Have you, have you been following that? A little bit. Yeah. Oh, well then that's a little bit more than I have. They're entertaining. I'll tell you that they are entertaining. And the more information that pops out of those, the latest one seems to show that the government, you know, the Democrats in this case went to Twitter about the Russian collusion thing. We all remember that with Donald Trump, Russian collusion, Russian collusion. I think the reason I tuned out of the Twitter files and uh, what, what season are they in now? Like 18. It seems like I, I think the reason I tuned out of the Twitter files is because every giant bombshell revelation that oh, they came up with was something that we already knew because I listened to no agenda, but it was just proof of those things, which was kind of nice. But yes, the, the bombshell thing is overused. And I've ranted about that in the past. Any, any news site that uses yes. bombshell bombshell yeah, if if bombshell or breaking appears in the headline yeah I'm then out. just move on to the next story i'm out but this seems to show that the government i think adam schiff was involved and he was involved in trying to get another journalist banned off of twitter as well but they went to twitter and they're like yeah we, we think there's this russian collusion we need you to look into it and twitter decided okay they had an internal russian whatever they called it task force. They looked at all of the accounts and all of the bots and they came down with, no, it doesn't exist. And <laughs> the government was still like, well, no, it, it does. And I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of detail to it, but it basically proved once again, that everybody knew this dossier that ended yeah. up. we now know that it started with the Hillary Rodham Clinton campaign was nothing but bullshit. And it's continually pushed to today. The government said that there was nothing to the Twitter files, though. Uh Uh-huh. There's nothing at all. And the headline there, the headline there, breaking. Fox says that hen house is totally secure. Uh Uh-huh. The border is is secure. There's nothing to worry about. I didn't mean Fox News. I I know. Anyway. (laughs) But the country's in good hands. You know what we're saying. I know what they're saying. I don't believe them. I don't believe them either. I don't believe him either. You got anything else? Uh, well, Besides I had some angry. reactions to the LastPass hack. Oh, this uh, is still we, going we, on. Oh, it's well, it LastPass released uh, a big statement and I brought it to the show last week, uh, two weeks ago, uh, saying uh, basically I came out taking the same position that LastPass did, which is, uh, uh, yeah, it really sucks. These people need to get their corporate ducks in order. They really, you know, their, their IT security is terrible, but you're okay. As long as your master password isn't cracked, you could still use them, which is kind of what LastPass said. Now I said it because I had the impression that, Hey, your passwords are probably secure. LastPass said it because they don't want to lose all their business overnight. Right. But there were a lot of people that came out, uh, digging apart and ripping on the, last pass statement and uh pulling some information i didn't know about uh one in particular from uh, a mastodon instance called infosec.exchange uh at e- epics oip i'm not sure who that is but it was interesting seeing uh uh using a mastodon instance as a source for one of these stories i thought was kind of is mastodon the new twitter 
it is becoming the new Twitter. There are so many people abandoning Twitter for whether whether legitimately or not have decided that Twitter is untrustworthy. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, well, the you know, people on the other side of the aisle did that years ago for right. the same reason. But um, I, I'm OK with that. But uh, he came out with um, <laughs> started out the, the list of you know, not not a single article, because that's not how activity pub seems to work um uh, more like a chain of tweets which is i i don't know how this feels on twitter but is infuriating to read yeah very hard to follow started out with LastPass's claim of zero knowledge is a bald-faced lie he alleges that the company has about as much knowledge as a password manager can possibly get away with um points out that the leaked data includes things like ip addresses of all accesses to the LastPass service from any device um, in plain text, um, unencrypted URLs, well, no. which tell the attack. These are all in the dump, by the way. So that tell what, the attackers where to focus their efforts to hack you. Now, like does what it, sites you visit right now? Does this show an email address? What is the identifying factor with these accounts? Is so, it an email? Okay. Again, I have not personally dug into the last pass data dump because I'm not that hacker and it seems like a lot of effort, but to understand what Jeremy Gosney is saying on infosec.exchange, um, the last pass dump, which last pass said, Oh, your passwords are safe because they're encrypted and gave the impression that your password vault is just a file that becomes an encrypted blog. And I have to admit, I had that impression last time we reported on this too. He says is very much not true. And in fact, it's more like a plain text file where only a few select fields are encrypted. Oh, is this um, like going back to the old days on a Unix server where you had a username and then a colon and then the hash yeah. password where everybody can cat slash ETC slash password and uh-huh. get your your encrypted password, your, I'm sorry, your hashed password and all of your other vital data. In fact, a lot of, a lot of utilities back then would, you know, like finger or things that let you see other users on there would just read the password file. Right. Yeah. Well, and this would also then, if they're showing an individual password for each individual site. Now, if the, if the site information is unencrypted as well. If it's like, you know, gmail.com or google.com and it shows you that hash. And then you could also then decide what all the other sites that use the same password because the hash will match. Well, I think that's why it's particularly egregious that the URL is unencrypted. Yes. Now, it didn't, it didn't specify exactly which fields are encrypted per se. Uh, but I think we can safely assume the password itself is probably encrypted. Um, I don't know if the login name or email fields are encrypted. Uh, they, they insist that the URL for where to log in is not, which is again, that's a huge thing because that, what that means is you get somebody's last pass database. And even if you can't get the URLs from it, you, you know, you know, their email address and you know, which sites they have. Right. And you can go. For example, you can go to a data dump from any other breach anywhere on the net and find, you know, the plain text password that some company stored that they got breached. And now you have an email password, a, a, a 
connection. And then you go to all of the URLs from somebody's last pass database because you know those are exactly where they have accounts. And you try every password you can find on them. It, sig- it doesn't reveal passwords, but what it does is it decreases the search space. Now you don't have to go to all 12,000 sites on the internet that you're interested in. You go to the 100 sites on the internet that, that this LastPass dump confirms your target has an account at. Right. And the search space has been narrowed significantly, which means, which significantly improves the effectiveness of a brute force attack. Well, yeah. If you were even going there. And if it shows you the usernames in an unencrypted space, that's also quite damning. Yeah, that's it, it, there's a lot of information in a password database. And I, again, this is just the other side of it. I, I haven't personally looked at the dump, so I can't say for sure whether this is correct or, you know, how correct LastPass is. Uh, you know, LastPass was intentionally vague, I think, in their blog post. I went back and read that about what is encrypted, but they insisted that your password is. If the password is the only field that's encrypted, then this is still really, really bad. So this particular security expert and some others that were uh, were cited in the Verge article that I started from, they do very much suggest that if you use LastPass, you should look into another password manager. Damn. Um, I, I don't know if that's where you want to go, uh, it sounds like the passwords were not, were not violated, released, whatever, but it sounds like there is enough information in that dump that your security, you know, that it, it provides some very valuable tools for somebody wanting to hack you via that database. And you probably want to consider any, anywhere that needs high security, mm, taking extra steps, whatever that means. Yeah, and to be aware, I mean, it is very convenient to have a system like LastPass. I use one called RoboForm and have for years. But you also have to understand the trade-off, which is everything that you have is unlocked by one master password. There's no other way for these things to work. Everything is in tension between security and convenience in every case. Nobody out there wants to memorize a uh, hundred different, a hundred completely different, randomly generated 20 character passwords. So your password vault supplies that. Well, now you've got a little bit of convenience, but you've traded off that security. Your password vault can be hacked, especially if you use a password manager that uploads all that information to the cloud for your convenience so you can get it on your phone. Right. So you can get it the, anywhere. The password manager I use, KeePass. Uh, the encrypted data file is encrypted here locally. I keep it in a system that is not accessible to the internet except through this computer. And what that means is that there's no company out there that can suffer a data breach and my passwords get compromised. Now, there's other security issues like uh, I lose my whole password database if this computer goes. Right. Knock yeah. on wood. If your house burns <laughs> down, you've got a problem. That's a problem. Uh huh. Uh, backups are an important thing. Yes. And ones that you off-site can take backups e- are right, important easily off the, uh, off site. And this is again, why these little Yuba keys, these hardware keys are becoming more and more important. And while they're a pain in the ass, they could save your ass. That's the, that's the bottom line is that 
everything is absolutely right. It is a balance of security and convenience. Most people would not even think twice. It's like, well, what do I care about my Xfinity email address? Who cares? It's like, well, well until somebody resets your password on your Coinbase account. I, I think that one thing that most people, for the, the trap a lot of people fall into is I'm not important enough right. to get hacked. And it's very few hackers out there that are targeting one particular person. Most of them are, you know, I'd like to make some money. Let's see, you know, let's start with this huge database of emails and passwords that I got from a breach from such and such company a year ago or whenever. Let's go ahead and run through this database, try all the passwords in there, see if we can find further vulnerabilities for all those people that the hacker doesn't know or care who you are. You're one of 300,000 people in the database they picked up. And if they can get in, they're going to go in, clean out your Bitcoin wallet, uh, you know, add your computer to a botnet, uh, you know, grab a bunch of bank passwords and leave. And they don't even care. No, and it's all the, low hanging fruit. The, the really prolific hackers aren't even using that for themselves. They're then taking that manufacturing a brand new database full of, of Bitcoin wallets or credit card numbers or whatever valuable data they can find and then selling that for you know, a hundred thousand or, you know, here, here, here's 10,000 verified credit card numbers. I just pulled off of people whose names I never bothered to get. These credit cards are, I, you know, I guarantee you 30% of them are valid numbers that haven't been changed yet. Go ahead and give me, you know, three and a half Bitcoin for the whole database done. That's That's how the dark web works. Yeah. And they don't care that you're not important. No, what it's low care. hanging fruit. They want any, whatever. If it's easy to hack you, you'll get hacked. Yeah. What they care is that you stored a password in an insecure service. And now they've got everything that was secured by that password. Yeah. Which is why they go after the WordPress sites who haven't been updated. This is why there's constantly little bots out there in the wild, pinging every IP they can looking for something that's vulnerable so they can take advantage of it. They're really, they're not giving a second thought to whose machine it is. I noticed that when I first start working years ago with Drupal and it was amazing how quickly those sites, once a zero day exploit got out there, if you didn't patch it within a day, you were probably going to have to redo the whole thing because you were going to be hacked. Oh yeah. This this story is almost 20 years old, but I know I've, I've told the story of when, when we were working on Vista and trying to do some back compat and we took the original 2001 release of Windows XP and put it on a system connected to the internet. And before we could even log in and run Windows Update to patch it to the latest service pack, <laughs> it was already part of a botnet and sending out bot packets. Yeah. Well, that's, I remember doing back when the, the software, the operating system was on a disk. I remember intentionally unhooking it from the internet while it did its initial startup which which has worked in every vision version of windows until until windows 11 which requires an internet connection so that it can use your microsoft account instead of your local one Uh uh-huh yeah i I still can't figure out how not to have a microsoft account there's got to be a way to do it i you'd think i if for no other reason than testing well uh maybe because when i was testing windows you know eight seven eight nine ten there was no nine. 
we always had a method to create an account for testing without having to be network connected just because otherwise there's tests that aren't viable. But it just occurred to me that Microsoft now makes you test it. Right. So they don't bother testing their operating system. So why would they need that? Maybe Good it is news, impossible. everybody. You've got an extra side hustle. You are a Microsoft tester. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to try Linux too. I know the, uh, the pod father is using it with the Motu uh, device that we have. So there is the possibility of using this Motu yes. now. I, I have heard evidence that it works and you know, it's even possible that it won't inject very loud white noise into the signal. And wouldn't that be nice? Uh, that would be a good thing, but Hey, we are here to have any tech problems before you do. And then we can give you an answer, which is usually smash the computer with a hammer and that, go. That to is Linux. in fact, my recommendation for a lot of these devices, IOT. It's whatever works, man. It is whatever works. With that said, I, I think that's how do we normally end these shows? Uh, I end them from America's left coast where we have hardware problems so that you can have the same ones. Ooh. And from just outside of Chirac where the weather is beautiful. No, I'm lying. It's crap. I am Darren O'Neill. We'll be back, you know, next week. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lisa.